Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Mark Blunden, and this is The Leader. For a special edition of The Leader podcast, we're at Westminster's QE2 Centre for the first day of London Tech Week. Despite its 70s-era design, it's been rebranded for the week as a trendy campus for those leading lights in technology. The hot topic on Monday is artificial intelligence, and after reports over the weekend that Google has developed a chatbot capable of thinking and reasoning, we've been looking at what role AI might actually have in our working and personal lives in the future. Plus, is there enough oversight to stop the machines taking over? Joining us on the show today is Theo Blackwell, City Hall's Chief Digital Officer. We'll also be joined by David Guile, Professor of Education and Work at UCL, on the role of humans in the 21st century workplace. Theo Blackwell, what was your reaction to these reports that Google has developed a sentient chatbot? I think the next big debate around artificial intelligence, and let's say a previous debate was about facial recognition, you know, that was that was quite live for the last few years, is going to be about language and AI. And obviously, some big tech firms have been going in this direction. There is a reason why libraries and libraries of, of, of books have been sort of uploaded into, uh, into the brain. So I think it's really important that these tech companies work in the open, that they're able to explain the purpose for why they're doing that, rather than say because it can be done, it should be done. So there's some quite big ethical issues that arise from this. And when we use AI or machine learning or use data in London, we don't do it just to aggregate all of the data because we want to. We do it because human beings, whether citizens or those who serve them, have posed a particular problem to solve. And sometimes these problems might be big, like air quality, serious violence. Sometimes they might be quite narrow small but meaningful like as we do in south london a pilot on using ai for reducing and preventing fly tipping or flood prevention i used to be a local councillor so that was like number one if they find an ai app for preventing uh, dog mess then you know we'd be carried uh, on the shoulders through the streets by the people wouldn't we but i, I think fundamentally it's about purpose-led rather than that idea of if we can do it, we should do it, using the um, Zuckerberg phrase, let's move fast and break things while we do it. Let's look at three key challenges for the mayor, getting to grips with violent crime, tackling food poverty and cutting pollution. What role do you feel data and even AI might have in addressing these urgent issues? Certainly in two of those three examples, work is already well underway into join up data 
to create deeper insights into, for example, the causes of poverty, air pollution or or violence. Let's just take one, for example. So on serious violence, we can use data to really understand the backgrounds of people who are victims of crime or people who perpetrate crime, understand their family environment, uh, enable to track them and their interactions with the state all the way through their lives. So it's almost like when you, if you look back on someone's life, you could say, actually, we had five or six crucial opportunities to support this person. And that can give us an insight on how to improve public services, how to make them closer to people so that people don't end up in a situation where they're committing crime or a victim of crime. So that's not just about like an individual. It's building up from small pictures, a bigger picture about what's actually going on. And that improves public services. It allows us to use money more effectively. And it also empowers frontline workers to do their job much more effectively and earlier. We are investing in people as well, but people can be empowered through data. So this isn't a replacement for people. It's almost giving our frontline workers better information, better insights, so they can do their job better. And also for us to understand as a city the true nature of the problem. So we're not dealing with acute need when it presents itself. We're preventing things in a sense before they happen. Let's go to the ads. Stay there to hear about blockchain and how to know if you're speaking to a bot thanks to one of the capital's leading AI in the workplace experts. Why not hit rate and follow in the meantime? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. With the growth of the number of facial recognition cameras in public and quasi-public spaces, do you think there's enough oversight to protect people's privacy? And are our old laws just not catching up fast enough in terms of the planning process? Yeah, I mean, I think there's more oversight needed, but don't take my word for it. I think people appointed by the government think there needs to be uh, more oversight, such as the Surveillance Commissioner and the former Information Commissioner. So I think there are two issues here. One is with law enforcement bodies, such as the police, and I think the Met Police have been on a journey here. I don't think they started off uh, particularly well. But if you look at how they explain and how they do facial recognition now, 
It is very open. You can understand the legal framework and it also allows you to know when they use it. So they are being sort of open and quite deliberative about uh, the use of of facial recognition. I think there is a challenge when it comes to non-law enforcement bodies using facial recognition, live facial recognition, I should say. And here uh, we've introduced two things in London. One is called the Public London Charter, which sets down guidelines to owners of places people think are public, but actually are run by private developers, landowners. And that says that smart technology put in those places should be should abide by what we call the Emerging Tech Charter for London. And that's a set of principles that I've developed with citizens and civil society and with innovators which says that if you put in place emerging technologies, you need to be open, you need to respect diversity, you need to live the spirit of our data protection laws, not just the letter of them. And also you need to be sustainable about them, so don't put in uh, something that despoils the public realm. A key measure of this is what we call the London Privacy uh, Register, which we will launch later this year. And that says that all data protection impact assessments from these technologies must be put in one place so they're visible to the people in London. So we're going to do that. Uh, And secondly, uh, and I think most importantly, we have incorporated the Information Commissioner's, former Information Commissioner's opinion on uh, live live facial recognition by non-law enforcement bodies. And so that says... That sets a really high bar, actually. Perhaps I should have started with that. That sets a really high bar for the use of these technologies and says you need to consider impact on things like uh, bias. Um, You need to consider why this technology um, is to be used rather than a less intrusive one. And so a series of hurdles on essentially biometric data have been set by a government agency and we've incorporated all of that into our charter so we see a situation where effectively you've got police doing uh, live facial recognition within the safeguards that have been set out and where non-law enforcement bodies whether they're councils or landowners are doing it they have to jump through a number of hoops to get there and it's quite a tough test so it's not like there's a ban because we don't have the power to do that But people really have to think through why they're doing it. My fear is, and this is shared by the Information Commissioner's Office, is that quite often people with technology, they kind of like reach for tools. And so it's not like people are kind of like have some sort of evil intent by putting it in. They just don't really know or haven't thought through what they're buying. And what do you think about blockchain's future use for city functions? Could a permanent digital ledger help improve services and transparency? You know, it's it's like all, you know, there's something called the hype cycle, isn't there? And and it's like all all big things like artificial intelligence or drones, flying taxis, and all the other things that people speculate about in the future. What is the need that it meets? If that technology meets that need, then you know, by all, by all means, adopt it. But quite often, it's the case where blockchain will be uh, sort of sold on uh, to us as, or to London as a whole, as the solution to a problem that something else can already solve. So 
I kind of guard against anything to do with smart cities and technology, what's called solutionism. Or like, this is a cool thing to do. Same thing that I raised with facial recognition technology. You could kind of like do things without fully understanding them. So I think we need to go back to human beings who say, well, what is the thing that I need to solve? Who do I need to have around the table? And how can I design this technology to help me do that? And for me, as Chief Digital Officer, that's like how we serve citizens of London better. Now let's talk more about these reports about Google's apparent sentient AI. And we've managed to grab a little time with one of London's top AI in the workplace experts, UCL's Professor David Guile, who joins us on the line now. David, what's your take on this latest development to leak out of Google? Well, I noticed that Google have fired the uh, the person who uh, broke the story. So uh, I, I suspect it's been released early. I mean, look, I, I'm not naive about Google. What Google is doing is actually at the leading edge, along with many other companies, you know, in China as well as in the States and, and, and the UK, of experimenting with artificial intelligence in, in different forms. My reaction is it's a laboratory experiment. Does it mean what they crack it up to be? I doubt it, quite frankly. Not because I'm a pessimist uh, about the limits of artificial intelligence, just simply that Hearing that a bot actually is is developing functions beyond where they've been recently or in the previous kind of you know, past is to be expected development. Okay, that doesn't mean to say though that it's artificial general intelligence, uh, uh, the basis for artificial general intelligence. It may just be an, an interesting bot development. And but after all, we're, we're, the, the previous bots have got not very far forward towards human intelligence. So they, it's quite a leap on to claim that this is uh, an exemplar of uh, you know, uh, uh, AGI in the future. What will the role for humans be in the workplace of the future? Where I think we will excel is actually how we work in partnerships, in particular with machine learning. So if you look at the great machine learning developments at the moment, and if you look at Mahela van der Schaar in Cambridge, and she is a leading expert on machine learning working in health, they're doing some fantastic work using machine learning to model health conditions in human beings. Therefore, they're changing the composition of the research team. So medical researchers working with artificial intelligence researchers, but working on you know, what are human medical conditions. Now, that's happening in engineering. That's going to be happening in finance. I just... Uh, uh, I mentioned Mahela because her website's full of wonderful examples of how she's progressing. So there is great scope for how we can work with artificial intelligence. Of course, there will be a rebalancing of expertise, and it may be that some work is lost. It may be that some new work is gained. At the moment, there doesn't seem, from the stats, there's not tremendous evidence from David Auteur at MIT about job loss in relation to the introduction of AI. Doesn't mean to say it may not be in the pipelines, but you know it's a slightly more balanced perspective than sometimes the stories in the press indicate. And finally, you have to give us your top tips on how to beat the AI. How can we know if we're talking to a customer service chatbot instead of a human? Well, my surefire way is normally to ask them a question that uh, for which there isn't an answer on their script. Okay. <laughs> And I tend to find that you discover that quite quickly. But that can also, by the way, happen with a human operative. So if you're talking to, the, if you're talking to a bot for your bank and you ask the question, uh, not how are you doing today, but uh, how was yesterday, I guarantee you discover very quickly whether you're talking to a bot because they won't be able to make that switch. There's more news in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. We're back on Tuesday at 4pm.
Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.